This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz Blazers uh, tonight, 7.30 tip-off pregame. Uh, is at 6.30. But let's get out of the zone phone right now and talk a little jazz basketball. He covers the team for kslsports.com. He's our good friend, Ben Anderson. What's going on, Ben? Congratulations, new dad. Hey, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I, uh, I got a new, gone back to the newborn phase, Ben. You're not that far removed from it yourself, so you can kind of uh, remember what I'm going through, but we're back at it. I think I'm probably done, so uh, I think I'm probably okay. But, yeah, you're right. Uh, I remember what that's like. And congratulations. That's fun. It's always fun to have new kids around. Hey, Ben, do you have good dad skills? Uh, I kind of have to, you know, sometimes, full time, half the time. So, yeah, I kind of have to do a little bit of everything. And I think I've got a little bit of, like, kind of handy dad skills. I don't know if I'm, like, the best dad. I don't think anyone uh, would think I'm the best dad. I think there's some really great fathers out there. But I could do a couple of things pretty well. Here's how I know that, that Ben is, is a good dad, because I've bumped into Ben at the grocery store before, uh-huh. and uh, one time when I bumped into Ben at the grocery store, he had the, the extension to the shopping cart that looks like a car, you know, and he had <laughs> yeah. his two kids in there. If you've ever tried to wield that boat in the, uh, in the aisles at the grocery store, you know that that's true love for your kids right oh, there. Yeah. Well, you got that going for you, Ben. I do my best. Yeah. Uh, hey, I have really enjoyed uh, and found it extraordinarily helpful, your kind of uh, your series, your daily uh, pieces on exactly what's on the line for every team as far as the playoffs go and uh, reading through yours today. Uh, 97.2% chance the Jazz will finish with the best record in the league. I'd say that's uh, not bad. Yeah, and, and you know the weird things about those is it kind of – uh, brings in win probability, and you look at the teams you're playing, and it's always kind of hard to predict that, yes, the Jazz are significantly better than the Portland Trailblazers this year, but Portland's playing really well over their last 10 games. So how accurate is that compared to you know how they were in the first 40 games of the season? I do think it's always tricky to do that. It doesn't necessarily take in lineups. It looks more kind of big season net rating. But, yeah, 97% chance you look at the seven games remaining between the, or the six games remaining between the Jazz and the Suns, what they have left, it just looks really good for the Jazz. Like, they're going to have a great opportunity to finish with the best record, which I'd forgotten this. I thought they did it in the late 90s. be the first time the Jazz have ever outright owned the best record in the NBA. They had the tiebreaker over the Bulls when they won 62 games, but they've never done it by themselves outright. That's pretty impressive. So see if you agree with uh, Jake and me. Earlier in our show, we came to the conclusion that we think Portland is better than the Jazz if the Jazz had to play consistently without Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Would you agree? Yeah, I guess if Portland's fully healthy and the Jazz didn't have their two all-stars in the backcourt, I think that's probably pretty safe. I bet you it's closer than people think because the gap between Rudy Gobert and Damian Lillard is smaller than people think and maybe non-existent. But the ability to score on the perimeter is just so important. And you know, the Jazz can do it with, with Jordan Clarkson and the Jazz can do it with Boyan. But those guys certainly have kind of their up games and their down games where Dame is good every night, C.J. McCollum is good, Norman Powell is really good. But I think that's probably pretty accurate, yeah. 
Ben, we had a, and I can't remember which one of our daily assist guests it was, but uh, it might have been Mannix who said he did not believe that the Jazz had depth. And not that I make a a living disagreeing with a a wise basketball mind with Mannix, but I about fell out of my chair because I think if this stretch is proving anything is that the Jazz have great depth and, uh, and is a big strength of this team. Would you agree? Yeah, and let's talk about kind of the definition of depth and how you want to talk about it. Because once you get into the playoffs, you're playing eight guys, maybe nine guys. So, you know, are you, you're talking about the 10th guy on the team. And actually, I think the Jazz 10th guy right now is either Mia Yoni or Trent Forrest. And those two players are pretty good, actually. I think you, you've discovered you have something there. You know, Juwan Morgan actually gave the Jazz some good minutes in the playoffs last year and is their 11th or 12th guy this season. So uh, there's depth, and then there's kind of versatility, versatility. And not just in the fact that, oh, the Jazz can score a bunch of different ways. But I'm looking forward to, you know, potentially a, a matchup against the Golden State Warriors in the first round. And if you say, well, you're going to put your best defender on Donovan Mitchell and you're going to put Draymond Green on Rudy Gobert, then your second best perimeter defender, let's say, you know, whoever it is, Kent Bazemore now has to guard Mike Conley. Well, what are you going to do about Joe Ingles? Or what are you going to do about Jordan Clarkson? Or what are you going to do about Boyan Bogdanovich? Like, the Jazz can just continue to go down the line until they find out where they have this offensive matchup that's advantageous, especially on the perimeter. And they'll just go to that over and over and over in the playoffs, which is what the playoffs are about. And the Jazz were really missing something last year without Boyan Bogdanovich. Mike Conley hadn't fully filled in like he is now. Uh, and, and I think that's where the Jazz actually have a ton of options. And you could include that in depth, even if you're not talking about the 10th or the 11th guy on the roster. And every opponent is different. I get that. But if you're looking at this game tonight and you're thinking about shot distribution among the Jazz's uh, primary scorers, how would you distribute that for this game? What's ideal? Yeah, I think this game has to go more in favor of Boyan Bogdanovich. We know Jordan Clarkson got so many shots in the last game, but, you know, 41 points on 33 shots. You'll take that. That's, that's really good. Uh, but, but I think now, considering who the guards are, uh, and, and they're not great defensive players. I mean, Dame's not a good defensive player, neither CJ nor Powell's only so-so. So you can still go pretty heavy with Jordan Clarkson, I think. But I do think if you're looking for the go-to guy who should be more effective in this game, I would probably think it's going to be Boyan Bogdanovich. I think you can you know, take advantage of the wings for Portland, even though you know they've got guys like Nas Little who can defend a little bit. I do think the Jazz actually probably have a solid advantage there, even with Robert Covington on the floor. So I think you can go big. I don't think Jordan Clarkson is going to shy away from getting a shot, though. What about Rudy and, uh, and Joe? Well, I, I think you need to find that pick and roll that hasn't been there. And that's the really good thing with, with Portland's bigs right now and certainly their guards. They just, they're so bad in the pick and roll. And, and the Jazz will do that. And they will try and put uh, Damian Lillard, if he's guarding Joe Ingles, in the pick and roll, I think, as much as they can because they just they switch poorly. They don't keep with their man very well. Joe's so much bigger than those guys. I think they'll get layups at the rim. I, I do think that probably has to go back to being your bread and butter. And then if we're looking for, you know, who's going to get the most field goal attempts, I would suspect it's going to be bogey. But you're right. I do think you've got to get Rudy more involved. I think Joe's naturally going to be more involved just because he's got to set up the pick and roll. Who's the team to beat in the West, Ben? Jazz. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't think it's all that argumentative at this point. I mean, you, you've just seen the Clippers be inconsistent. We've seen the Suns. Who, I, here's my, my question about the Suns. I've got two things. One, have they peaked at the wrong time because – it's so hard to make up as much ground as they had to from February until, you know, last week to climb into the number one spot. They've had to put so much into that. And I never felt like the Jazz were full pedal to the metal this season. It never felt like the Jazz were, you know, wearing themselves out with their play. 
they could be right now uh, a little bit of the shorthanded without Donovan Mitchell and, and Mike Conley. But even then, you look at the minute distribution, and for a lot of guys, it's actually down because the Jazz have been involved in so many blowouts. So I, I worry with Phoenix that they're going to run out of gas by the time they get to the playoffs. Plus, they're probably looking at a Lakers first-round matchup, and I think that's really tough. I'm curious how easy the Lakers' path is. Like, even if they beat Phoenix, they probably have to face the Clippers in the second round on the opposite end of the bracket where the Jazz are. It's just really tough. And so at some point you have to say, what's the probability of just getting to the conference finals? And if the Jazz get to play, you know, the Warriors in the first round and then either the Nuggets or the Mavericks in the second round, you probably like the Jazz odds. And then that makes them the favorite. Let me circle back on the Lakers. Uh, LeBron has been saying that he'll be back and, and ready to go. Do you think that that team can reform itself and those two stars can, can lead that team uh, to a you know, potential defense of the title? I guess here's what's weird about the Lakers is that their strength, and it's really been this way all the time, I and mean, we talk about how unstoppable Anthony Davis and LeBron James are, but even with all their injuries this year, they're still the number one defense in the NBA. So, they have that ability to make games ugly. Even last night, that game went to overtime with the Knicks, and they won 101-99. to 99. So they can play low-scoring games, and they have no problem with that. That's why they have the best defense in the NBA. Then you don't need to be a great offense. So you don't need all this chemistry to come clicking back together. You need LeBron to be unstoppable, which he is. You need Anthony Davis to be unstoppable, which he was last year. He hasn't been offensively this year, but certainly I would think that could probably click in. And then you just need a couple of guys around him to hit shots. So that's, you know, Ben McLemore, who's come in and has played well, or Taylor Horton Tucker, who's kind of debuted this year as a solid role player. I do think the advantage is they have the defense, even without LeBron. So that's going to be really good and really difficult. Then they just need to have one of those guys show that they can come back and take over. But if, you know, they struggle or LeBron continues to have issues with his ankle and it plagues him throughout, they're going to have a really hard time with the Suns, or they're going to have a really hard time with the Clippers in the second round, and that's that's going to be difficult for them. All right, Ben, I, w- I wasn't planning on asking you this, but I, I'm actually really curious to get your thoughts because uh, uh, there's a national storyline out there that coaching doesn't matter in the NBA anymore. That I, I think Sam Amick of The Athletic wrote a little bit about this, uh, basically saying that um, you know back in the day it was magic with Pat Riley and they do their run together and it was kind of like this this tandem, Jordan, Phil Jackson, Kobe, Phil Jackson, uh, et cetera, even John and Carl with Jerry Sloan. But looking how LeBron has done it with several different coaches, and even coaches that uh, that folks wouldn't consider that great of coaches, but still got it done. People are kind of running with the theory that coaching doesn't matter as much as it used to. Your thoughts on that that line of thought? I think it's mattered as much as it always has, and maybe we just overrated how much it mattered, or you know, we we have in the last few years, and now we're catching up and saying like, oh. It's still about who the best player on the floor is because you you know look at all these guys who you've talked about. If you want to go back to Red Auerbach or Pat Riley or you know whoever you want to talk about, Phil Jackson. You mentioned Jerry Sloan. It also happened that they had a number of MVPs on their team, and that really helped. And you know, did the coach make that? I, I don't think so. Those guys were really good in college and, and ended up being great NBA players as well. So I, I do think players have always been the most important part they've always significantly been the most important part. You know, Greg Popovich always talks about uh, how he owes his paycheck to to Tim Duncan. And it's true. You know, Greg Popovich was a good coach. No one considered him the best coach in the NBA in the late nineties. And then all of a sudden Tim Duncan was known the second or first best player in the league behind Shaq for a decade. And they won all these championships. And now Greg Popovich looks like a genius. And then since he's lost Tim Duncan and lost Kawhi Leonard, 
They're average. They're mediocre. They play hard. They work hard. Are, are they better because he's a great coach? I, I think so. I think the Jazz are significantly better because Quinn Snyder is a very good coach and can replace Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. But this idea that you know the coach is what's going to get you the difference between you know 15 or 20 more wins on a season, I don't think that's true. It probably can be five or ten wins in a year, though, just depending on you know, can you get your players to buy in? Do they believe in you? Are you relatable? I think those things still matter. You probably heard it, but Joe Ingles was asked earlier today about the experience of Mike Conley and the effect he'll have on, on the Jazz in the playoffs. What do you make of that kind of thing? How important is leadership uh, on a team, even when it's not coming from your best player necessarily? I think it matters. I don't think... It's not like the rest of this Jazz team doesn't have a ton of experience. I'll say that. You know, this is what, Rudy Gobert's the fifth straight year now? Yeah, it's his fifth straight year making the playoffs. They, they beat the Clippers his first year when it was with Gordon Hayward. Uh, they beat the Thunder his second year when Donovan Mitchell was a rookie. They've been eliminated, what, two or three years in a row since then. So I, I don't think it's this fact that Mike Conley went to the conference finals with the Grizzlies a half decade ago that is going to lift the Jazz anywhere that Donovan Mitchell doesn't know how to get to or that Joe Ingles doesn't know how to get to or, you know, Rudy Gobert doesn't know how to get to. I do think you can look back and say, hey, the addition of Derek Fisher to that Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer and Mehmet Kerr team when they did make the conference finals, that was probably pretty significant. I think they needed a guy who had won before, and I think that helped. I don't think the Jazz have that problem. I don't think this roster has that problem. I think they've got leaders. I think they've got guys that have won enough. That, that they know how to get there, and, and they're not going to be having to look to Mike Conley to say, hey, what do we do in a 2-2 series in the second round to get to the conference finals? I, I think that's probably a little overrated. So what about that relationship between the coach, like you, the, the question you answered before, and the players and experience on the court? How's that relationship work, and, uh, and how important is that? Because obviously the guys who are on the court are the ones who have to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, I think the trust is very significant, and I think that exists throughout the roster for the Jazz. I mean, I don't see a lot of guys really calling their own number. If anyone does, it's Jordan Clarkson, and, and Jordan Clarkson's doing it because Quinn Snyder has told him to, not because he's saying, you know, I'm going to throw it out and do it my way. I don't, that's certainly not the case. So I think the relationship is there, the trust is there, and that's absolutely significant. But, you know, the, the Jazz have formed that throughout their roster with Quinn Snyder. So I do think the experience of knowing what they're going to run Having that continuity has been very important, and I think that's going to help the Jazz the most, more so than just saying, hey, one guy's veteran experience or one guy's relationship with Quinn Snyder specifically is what's going to weld them over to the top. And that may have actually been the case with John Stockton and Carl Malone and Jerry Sloan, where, hey, this was this kind of trio of future Hall of Famers, and if you were going to question them, you probably weren't going to fit in very well. So you had to line up behind them, and that worked. I just don't think you need that on this Jazz team. Ben, what are your thoughts on the play-in scenarios? Meaning, do you like it as uh, conceptually for the NBA? Do you think it should stay? I, I love it. I, I mean, I, I've had a lot of fun this year. I mean, I'm writing, like you mentioned, that article every morning where I'm going back and I'm realizing, you know what, the only game we'd be talking about right now is the Spurs and the Pelicans and the Kings in a regular season. And for the last 10 days, all we've been talking about is LeBron, Steph Curry, then you're talking about the Grizzlies. Then you're talking about the Sacramento Kings like, oh, and the San Antonio Spurs. Who's going to get in? And then what do you do with the top two seeds to try and align yourself to play a specific opponent? What are the Celtics going to do? I think it's really fun. I think it's really changed the narrative on tanking. No one cares what the Thunder are doing right now, losing all these games, or what the Rockets are doing, losing all these games. 
it's really fun to have important basketball to talk about. Even if these teams never advance or never get out of the first round, I think it's a. I think it's been a big win. I think it's been a big hit, and it's kept more teams involved, and that's good for the league. That's good for fan bases. I think. I think overall, it's probably been an enormous, uh, enormous success. So a woman in Australia goes in for oral surgery or whatever it was. She got her tonsils, tonsils out. Yeah. Tonsils. And when she wakes up from that, the next morning, she says that she has an Irish accent that she cannot get rid of. Jake doesn't believe it. He thinks she's faking it. What say you? She went under and came out like this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she woke up and she now speaks. She's from Australia. She speaks with an Irish accent and can't ditch and it. She's never been to Ireland. It, apparently you know, it's called a- foreign accent syndrome. Jake, there was a guy who I used to go out sometimes with, and we'd go out on the night, and we'd come back, and for some reason after we'd go out, he would start doing two things. One, he'd start speaking with an Irish accent because he said his grandfather did, but he'd never been there in his life. But he wasn't getting his tonsils out. He was doing other things. And then he would start shadow boxing in the corner. So I- I've seen it happen. <laughs> I've seen it happen firsthand. I-, I-, I don't think you're predisposed to it. I think he was making it up. So I, I think I'll probably side with Jake. I think-, I think this lady's probably making it up. Why do we think we know who that might be? I, I, mean, I just, I don't know. I just have an, uh, sort of an impression that I might know who that was. But I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep my lips sealed. It's good times, though. <laughs> good times had by all, uh, I will say. Um, ben, uh, keep up the tremendous work. Lo- love your stuff at kslsports.com. Like I, like I told you earlier in the conversation, find it incredibly useful, and we really appreciate you dropping by the show. All right, guys. Congratulations on the uh, baby. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. What's up, friend? <laughs> That's our friend Ben Anderson. Uh, he, he writes for kslsports.com. Ben's good, man. Oh, he's so good. Uh, he, he's so great, and, and there are some talented people that uh, that cover the jazz. Don't mean to exclude anybody, but yeah. uh, love the stuff Ben does, sure. and uh, actually love the the work they're doing at KSL Sports. It's kind of a, a a new thing over there, and they've they've got a bunch of good good folks working. So and Ben being one of them. Uh, so thanks to him for jenny, jumping on. You can also follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Ben's Hoops, at Ben's Hoops. But read his work, kslsports.com. All right. He likes the play-in scenarios. He likes. I do that. too. You know, the one thing about it is, you know, I mean, because the Jazz won't know who they're going to play. Scouting will be different. At number one. Mm-hmm. And that seems like sort of a weird, punitive situation for the number one seed. Right? Well, yeah. But but if you look at it this way, I mean, I can't remember, Austin, you know off the top of your head the schedule of the play-in situation. I mean, they're going to have two to three days knowing who they're going to play, which would be the same. I think it's two. Which would be the same as it would be in a normal well, year. Yeah, that's a good point. Or close to it, right? Because usually in a normal year, you end on Wednesday, you start on Saturday or Sunday. Something like that. So you got yeah. two full days in that circumstance knowing who you're playing. In this case, I think you'd have at least two. So take that. Who will it, who will it be? All right, let's who jump. Who will it be, Jake? Uh, San Antonio. You don't mean that. They scored like 180 points the other night. <laughs> they put it on somebody. Who was it that they did? They really did. They scored like 150-some-odd points. can't remember. More Big Show coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.